Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. Europod. This is Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. We work with independent journalists to cover stories on the ground. In today's episode, we'll take you behind the scenes of Europe Talks Back. Our producer, Maria Dios, will take it from here. Today, we have invited Pablo Jimenez Arandia. In last week's episode, Pablo covered the story of Mohammed, a young man from Morocco living in Spain, to raise awareness of how homelessness affects young people. Pablo is a Spanish journalist working as a freelancer in Barcelona. Pablo, welcome. Thank you, Maria. Pleasure to be here. So, Pablo, you are the scriptwriter of the episode on youth homelessness. And for this episode, we traveled to Spain to meet Mohamed, our protagonist. But before talking about the work we have done together for the previous episode of Europe Talks Back, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a freelance journalist based in Barcelona, Spain. I've been working as a journalist for the last five years And I cover and I work on different topics, most of them related with social issues. And specifically in the last couple of years, I'm covering stories intersection between technology and social justice. I write stories for digital outlets, print newspapers, and also work with NGOs and foundations that need a journalist. Beautiful. So you have uh, quite an experience on different things. But if I may add, you have created several podcast productions. So I'm curious to know, are you more comfortable with telling stories wrapped in an audio format than articles? Or what do you normally look for when preparing this kind of podcasts? I have to say that I, I come from a writing journalism background and I started doing audio like two, three years ago. And for me, it's a format that I like really much because, yeah, basically you have to think differently how you are going to tell the story. And also, I really like the possibilities and the potential of audio to transmit the story uh, using the voice of the protagonist, right? I'm always trying in my work to give big importance to the people that I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't like this expression of give voice to someone, but yeah, listening from the own voice of someone, what has happened to him or to her. So that's what I like the most from audio. And also, of course, well, I think that this idea of immersive stories, right? This thing that you put your headphones and they are telling you a story, for example, in this case about young homeless in Europe and specifically in Barcelona. And yeah, this possibility of feeling that you are like in the place where Mohamed is living, doing his daily stuff and also listening from his voice. Yeah, there are some advantages uh, when it comes to podcast production. So as you mentioned in the previous episode of Eurotox Back, we can hear 
the story of Muhammad from his own words. But if anyone hasn't listened to that episode yet, how could you pitch it to them? Let's try an elevator pitch. With Mohammed's story, um, I think that we can approach to a topic which is not yet very well known, related with two of the biggest challenges, I would say, that Europe is facing right now, which are the housing crisis, the problems that lots of young people have in Europe to access to a proper house, and also migration, right? Like how the people that come to Europe, how they manage to face all the obstacles and all the difficult situations that they have to go through. If you put together these two issues, access to housing and also migration, you come to Mohammed's story, which is a story of a young man, normal man, young man, as he, as he says, normal hobbies, super gentle, super nice with everybody that he meets in his life, uh, despite all the... Um, really tough and difficult situations that he has gone through in the last couple of years. The story of a young man that arrived to Europe, specifically to Spain, and after three months in the country, he found himself in the streets of a city that he doesn't know. So that's what the Mohammed story is about. And I think his story is also a great and sad example of how passports open the door to some people and close it to other ones. I'm thinking of my case here because I'm from Spain and I moved to Brussels to look for a better life, for a better job, which is basically what Mohammed did. He's originally from Morocco, but he decided to go to Spain searching for a better life. But the difference is that I have a good passport, let's say, that opens the door for me when he has not. So that's the main thing here. Housing is a worrying issue for all young people in Europe, but there is definitely some differences when it comes from where you are from. But you were saying that he was really kind and gentle. And that's something that I really love from this story, that he seems to be a very friendly person. And I really like the part at the very end where he was preparing to you a tea while he was really proud showing his apartment. Could you tell us a little bit more about him on a personal side? When I arrived to his apartment well, to the apartment of Futuro & Co., right? The project in which he's taking part. I found, as I said, like a young man, extremely friendly. And also I was like really impressed how even when he was telling some of the toughest situations that he has gone through in the last years, for example, the five days that he spent in a patera, in a dinghy, a small boat crossing from Morocco to the Canary Islands. I mean, of course, his face was serious, but just like a few seconds afterwards, he was laughing again, right? So, yeah, I guess that like this resilience of himself, that really impressed me. Sometimes we as journalists, I think that we don't give enough importance to how generous people can be sharing their stories. And that's what I felt when I met Mohammed, right? How generous he is, not only making us the typical Moroccan tea. He made us uh, some tea and, and we were just like chatting, like if we knew each other. Like So um, I would highlight this generosity, right, from Mohammed telling us his story. Yeah, that's beautiful. I wanted to recall that in the script, 
you mentioned several times that the reasons behind this worrying trend vary from unemployment to migration to the cost of living crisis that push people to live on the streets. And still, it is a really stigmatized problem. So could you tell us more about how is the situation in Barcelona? How do people perceive this issue on the streets? Well, in this episode, I think that we are talking about probably like the most extreme version of the housing crisis that we can see all around Europe and specifically in big cities. When these difficulties mix with other issues as problems with documentation, passport, visas, also like the lack of uh, social and family support. What can happen is that someone ends up in the street. And regarding like specifically homelessness, I think that in Barcelona, I think that there is what I would point out is the invisibility usually face the people that live in the streets, right? I think that everybody, when we walk on the streets, we all see like people living in the streets. But we don't look at them sometimes even with like human beings or citizens with the same rights. So I think that is a topic that it has to be, from journalist perspective, it has to be explained until. Yeah, completely. I agree. And I think that's why it's so remarkable the work that organizations such Futuro and Co do. Because apart from helping people, they also try to communicate this kind of stories and raise awareness. I was actually really shocked about the figures that you share on the um, average age of people on the streets. If I recall correctly, almost half of the people living on the streets in Barcelona are under 25 years old. When you were doing the research, do the organizations that you contacted told you that this has increased after, I don't know, the pandemic or the cost of living crisis. Is it something that is going worse with time? This is uh, something that is increasing. I mean, when we think about homeless people, we usually think about maybe old people or people that are like in, let's say, like in the last years of his uh, life. But young people that end up in the streets is growing all around Europe. That's what organizations that work around this issue tell us. And specifically after the pandemic, like the percentage of young people uh, among the total of homeless people is growing. And professionals from the Futuranco project told us the more time you spend on the streets, homeless, the more difficult it is to get out of it. Of course, that's something that it happens for someone that is in his 20s. Is going to mark their life forever. But every day and every week that they spend in the streets without a shelter, without support, without help, it will have like lasting consequences. So at the end of the episode, we discovered that Mohamed is receiving help regarding his situation, his status as a migrant in Spain. So how does he look at the future? Is it an optimistic one? Does he have chances to actually get the papers that he needs to find a job in Spain and this kind of stuff that have to follow after having a, an apartment? Yeah, well, what Mohamed told us is that by the end of this year, he has an appointment to get finally his um, working permission. When I asked him about his plans, his dreams for the future, that's, um, I think, like the first thing that he mentioned, this appointment that he will have uh, in a few months. Because, as he said, without papers, without documentation, 
you are completely blocked. He was telling me that he doesn't like to be at home doing nothing. So he was thinking of doing some voluntary work with old people, some in any residence or hospital in Barcelona. Once he gets his working visa, he wants to study to become a nurse because he told me that he really likes to help the others as the same way that he has received a lot of help like in the last months. Hopefully he wants to get a job in a hospital. Those are his goals and his dreams. And I really hope that he can make them. For sure. Let's wrap this conversation here. I think it's beautiful to hear how solidarity keeps moving, Mohamed. So, Pablo, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Maria. Thank you for having me. As our interview with Pablo ends, it's time for our typical press roundup on youth, poverty and homelessness across Europe. 6% of young people in the European Union face severe material and social deprivation. A recent report by Eurostat shows that in 2021, the deprivation rate for people aged 15 to 29 was 6.1%. Besides, young people in the European Union have more chances to be at risk of poverty than the older population. If we look at the risk of poverty rate, Young people have a rate of 20.1%, while the rate for the total population was over three percentage points lower. Per member states, the EU countries with the highest rates of deprivation rate were Romania, Bulgaria and Greece. Contrarily, 11 EU countries including Luxembourg, Poland, Sweden and the Netherlands had deprivation rates of less than 3% among their young population. But even in those countries where the statistics don't look that bad, young people needing housing face a closed door. According to Dutch News, the Netherlands is one of the world's most vulnerable developed countries in terms of a housing crash because of the gap between incomes and house prices, leaving the younger generations stuck. We have reached the end of this week's episode of Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. This show is part of the Sphera Network project and is available on Europod. Our sound design and mixing are by Jeremy Duque. My name is Maria Dios. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we will travel to Greece to discover how musicians are fighting against the population in rural areas of the country. Bye.